God, we just give you honor and glory, God, for giving us the opportunity to have salvation through your son, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray, God, as we come to this moment in time where we hear a word about the Holy Spirit, God, that you would move in our hearts and our lives, and God, and make the difference. Lord, we just pray these things expecting and asking in Christ's name. Amen. And would you give the band a hand for a great job this morning? And good morning. It is great to see all of you and those of you who are worshiping with us online. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our services this morning also. Hope you had a great week and thank you for starting it off with us here today at First Ruston. If you helped in Bible school, would you stand up? Stand up for Jesus and for the pastor and for the Bible school people. Stand up. Josh, you help. Stand up. Janelle, you help. Stand up. Let's give them a hand for a super job. We had a great week. We had many decisions for Christ. And by the end of the day, Friday, everyone went home with all their toes and their fingers. And that is, uh, that is one way we measure success here. How many of you like filling up your vehicle with gas right now? Probably not. We got this, uh, this was, I don't know if that's in California where that is, that picture, but yesterday national averages in America hit $5 a gallon. $5 a gallon. You go to fill up and you cry, right? But still, when I fill up after I cry, it, it just feels good when you got a full tank, doesn't it? Because at least you know, no matter how dumb you are, for the next 250 miles, you're not going to run out of gas, probably. But, but it is necessary, too. I mean, you gotta, you got to have a gas in your vehicle or diesel in your vehicle. I, when I was in high school, I worked at a gas station. This was a gas station that actually put gas in your vehicle for you. How many of you remember those? Those are ancient. They did exist. We'd check your oil and your tires. And, and I was in, from Tennessee, and they'd come in, and the people would say, fill her up, fill her up. And what they meant was is they wanted, they wanted gas to be coming out of the hole back there to know that it was really filled up when you had finished. Well, this morning in Ephesians 5, verse 18 primarily, we're going to look at being filled up being filled up with the with the spirit of God and it is a hard process it's not easy it costs us but boy is it satisfying and worth it and I want to begin kind of with the main thought this morning and that's this we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian you're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian, we want you to receive Jesus today and you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you can be filled with the Spirit too. But let me, let me walk you through a couple of, uh, of important little tidbits and, and I've spent sermons on these so I'm going to go through these pretty quick but they, 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 we need to understand this. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, okay? When, when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. He comes into you, all right? Now, I've heard people say, I've heard people say, well, I, I became a Christian when I was nine. I was saved when I was nine. And I got the Holy Spirit when I was 20. Well, normally what, what they're saying from my encounters is that they became a Christian at nine and they spoke in tongues at 20. And we're not against speaking in tongues when it's done properly. But it's impossible to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 is a definitive verse on this. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. 
if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. You see the Trinity in this passage, the Spirit, the God, the Father, and God, the Son. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, you can't be a Christian if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So here's a neat thing today. If you're not a Christian, you can by the time this service is over, you can have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can be on your way to heaven. And the Holy Spirit of God will come and live in you. Wow, that's a neat thing. Here's the second thing that needs to be explained briefly. When you receive Jesus, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was looking at a website of a church in, in another city uh, this week. And one of the things they said is that we believe you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then when you, uh, like it was a regular thing and that, that you would, you'll speak in tongues and again we're not against that but they were talking about a baptism of the spirit being a ongoing thing uh, where does baptism of the spirit come from well Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist was talking and he says hey I am I am talking to you about being baptized for repentance but after me comes one Jesus who's more powerful and whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Aren't you glad the fire is symbolic, not literal? We wouldn't baptize many people if we were baptizing them with fire. But that's a symbolic way. But, but the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the word baptize literally means to submerse or uh, it's immersion. That's why we do baptize by immersion and submersion. Because that, that's what the word means. But it's also initiation. When you were to go into, if you were to become a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, you were baptized into Judaism. You become a Christian, you're baptized into Christianity. So when you are saved, you are baptized into the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit. So when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you are baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. I'd love to talk to you about these things more this next week if you need to because I know it's a mouthful in a short period of time. But here's the thrust this morning, okay? You, you receive Jesus. You've received the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is where if you're a Christian, you need to really get a hold of this. God's not, God's not saying, hey, if this is in your church bylaws, you need to do this. He, he's not saying, hey, if this fits your personality, you need to do this. He's saying, well, I'm commanding you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he uses a tremendously interesting illustration, which they would have understood and we do. In verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Now, this verse says a whole lot. Obviously, the wine had alcohol in it because it could potentially get them drunk. It's not a prohibition on drinking. It's a prohibition on drunkenness. And it's very important that we understand what he's saying here. I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, a friend of mine told me, I don't want to tell you his name, he's the, the principal at Ruston High School, and he's a, he's a real tall guy, and I, I don't want to say Dan's name uh, today, but Dan said there was a church that they were having some alcohol problems. And so the preacher got up one Sunday morning, he let them have it. There was a river down near the church, and he said, we're going to meet at 5 o'clock this afternoon here, though, preach, 5 o'clock, and we're going to go down the river, you bring your beer, your wine, and your liquor, you bring it, and we're going to pour it out in the river, right? We're going to pour it out of the river at 5 o'clock. Then he prayed and he told the music man, come up and lead us in a closing song. And the minister of music came up and said, let's sing, shall we gather at the river? 
Okay, that's funnier than you took it, but it is funny. So those are some happy fish, weren't they? I'm sure of that. But what does it mean, debauchery? Debauchery is not a word you use much. You don't text somebody today and go, yeah, they were acting debauched today at church. Debauchery means sinful. It, it means dumb. It means unmanageable. If you've ever been drunk or you've been around drunk people, this passage is going to really speak to your heart because drunk people are dumb. They're unmanageable, and they're sinful. And they think they're good-looking, and they're bulletproof. Have you ever noticed that? But it, it does just the opposite. But a drunk person is filled with what? Help me, brothers and sisters. Alcohol. A drunk person is controlled by what? I'm not talking about having a beer glass. Of wine. I'm talking about when you're drunk, you are controlled by that. And he's saying, I don't want you to be drunk and controlled by that. I want you to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, this is cool. The word filled, that's what it means, controlled by. It means full of something and, and, and to be filled with something. It gets a little churchy and a little bit uncomfortable when you hear the terms being baptized in the Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, baptized in the Spirit is being initiated in the family of God. Being filled with the Spirit is being controlled with the Spirit. Like the drunk is controlled by alcohol, he's saying, I'm commanding you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody was the Billy Graham of the 1800s and someone said Mr. Moody why do you always preach we must be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and he said because we leak you get that we do we can be filled with have you ever I mean sometimes after a great church service or a revival or a camp Josh or man you have a good time with God and you're just fired up for Jesus and then you neglect some of that for a few days you, you're deflated aren't you you know what because you, you're not filled with the Spirit he said, I'm commanding you to continually be filled with the Spirit of God. Here's the second question. How can I be filled with the Spirit? Man, remember this, and this is so important. God never commands you to do something you can't do. I had algebra teachers that commanded me to do something I couldn't do, and it was reflected in my report card. Evil teachers. But God, God never commands you to do something that you can't do. Now, again, this is a whole sermon, so I'm going to hit on it quick. These aren't original with me. These come from a lot of good people and good scholars. How can I be filled with the Spirit? Number one, I have to be saved. See, some of you are going, you know, I don't feel the power of God. I don't sense the power of God. A lot of churches are just dead because so many of the people, even the ministers sometimes aren't believers. You have to have the Spirit to be filled with the Spirit, correct? You have to. Number two, I got to forgive others. We talked about this a few weeks ago, what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not dumb. Forgiveness is not keeping that sorry employee on. Sometimes you have to fire people. You need to break up with people. You need to get away from people. You need to get new friends. Forgiveness is not striking back and holding on and being bitter. You can't be full, with, full of bitterness and full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, you've got to confess your sins. Confess any known sin. Again, these are daily things. This is daily. When you get up, you're asking God to help you forgive people, confessing your sins. It's throughout the day. See, sin in your life, if you're a Christian, is not going to cause you to lose the Holy Spirit. It just quenches the Spirit of God in your life. This is so important. When you became a Christian, you got all of the Holy Spirit you're going to ever get. You got all of the Holy Spirit you ever need. The question comes down to this, does the Holy Spirit have all of you that there is to have? See, a lot of us, we've got the Holy Spirit. We just got him quenched up in our big toe. 
We just need to cut him loose, turn him loose. How many of you sometimes have problems with your water hose this time of the year? Last Sunday, we have a water hose, and I was getting it out to turn the water on, and Bailey, my little granddaughter sitting over here, said, it's not hooked up like I was an idiot. It's not hooked up. I said, it is hooked up. And, of course, no water's coming out of it. And what she didn't take the time to see was that it was all crumbled up. Man, it was all crumbled up. So I spent, Bailey, did you crumble that up too? But anyway, I, I, I got those, I got it untied and untangled. And after four hours, the water comes gushing out of that hose. You see, it wasn't a problem with it being hooked up. It wasn't a problem with the water. It was a problem with the hose all crunched up. See, when you and I, when we hold on to sin and, and we're, we're we're, we're not letting some things go and confessing it to God. Man, we just quench the Holy Spirit up in our lives. Confession frees him. Here's the fourth thing, and again, these all certainly go together, and, and that is that total surrender and obedience. Hey, I gotta, if I'm going to be full with the Holy Spirit, I can't hold something back from God. Man, this is big. See, some of us, and, and I'm, I'm as absolutely guilty as any of you, so we, we obey God 90%. That's that 10%. I just want to keep on to this. You know, I'll obey God in every way except with my money. I'll obey God with every way but my thought life. Or, you know, I'm going to obey God in every way, but I just really like having sex with that boyfriend or girlfriend, okay? God doesn't want 90% obedience. Josh, we're going to use Ella when she gets older. You may have some problems, right? Okay, so you tell her when she goes out, look, she's going on a date, you better be good, boyfriend, girlfriend, good, don't get arrested, don't drink, don't do drugs, and be in by midnight. Well, if she comes in and says, well, I didn't do all those other things, but I got arrested, that, the whole, the whole night's run, right? And see, that's what, it's, God's not being mean, God's just saying, I want total obedience, I want total surrender. God doesn't want, God, see, God, God wants to feel you from the tip of your toes to, to, the, to the top of your head. And if we got areas that we're holding, he can't feel it. God, God can't feel it without our permission. Total surrender. And I love this last thing, and that's ask God to fill you. Peter Wagner was a great preacher. He still may be alive. If he is, he's still a great preacher, a great writer. And, and he said this. He said, and summing up all these things we just talked about, he said, you need to daily ask God, man, fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit and believe that he is and believe that he will. It is difficult right now to fill your car up with gas financially and emotionally, but it is, you, you got to do it. You need the gas, and it's not easy being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's hard. That's why most people aren't, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it, and I want to try to show you the worth in this next thing about why we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, why it needs to be a daily thing and throughout the day that we need God to fill us. Why do we need to continually be filled with his spirit? Well, here's a thought on the alcohol thing. Again, it's the illustration that, that God used through Paul. If a drunk person on Saturday night was feeling the effects of alcohol, thank God they're not going to still be feeling it Sunday night, right? I mean, they may have the headache, but they don't have the skipping around dancing in the streets, right? And the only way they maintain that is they become an alcoholic and they continually drink to do that. And the only way you maintain what God wants to do with your life with the Holy Spirit is, is the alcoholic's got to continue to go to the bottle that we continually go to Jesus to be filled with the Spirit. Let me give you three things that happen when you're filled with the Spirit of God. Number one, this is where your happiness is found. 
Man, we, we, we think happiness is found in alcohol, or it's found in drugs, it's found in sex, it's found in money, it's found in power, yada, yada, yada. But, but all that is so fleeting. In verse 19 and 20, these are the results of being filled with the Spirit. They may sound weird, but I'll try to explain them. Speak to one another with, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He doesn't say sing those, speak to. And sing and make music in your heart. You don't want me singing to you. He's saying sing and make music in your heart. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what he's saying. Man, when, when you're full of the Spirit of God, you're going to have tough times and difficult times. But he's saying you, that's where you you find joy that that's where there is a that's that, that's where you can approach people and speak people and there's a positiveness a lovingness a godness in that and that you're a grateful person one thing I can tell you about at least our country and I'm sure it's a worldwide pandemic we are not as a whole grateful people we're not we're not thankful people and one of the indicators of that is that we're not filled with the Holy Spirit he says in verse 20, man, when, when you are always giving thanks to God the Father. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, is the nine qualities called the fruit of the Spirit. These are the evidence of being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. The first two, number one is love. Number two is joy. Isn't that great? See, you go, I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. So if I just have more vacations and I have more homes and more this and more toys and more that, then I'll be happy. That, that, no, that's not going to do it. But if you live your life filled with the Holy Spirit, that's where it's going to be found. That's where it's going to be found. Here's the second thing. This is how you will be positively different. Boy, do we need to hear this. This is how we will be the people that God has called us to be. Look in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to being dumb. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's some neat context. Remember, God through Paul is writing to the church or maybe a group of churches there in Ephesus. In Ephesus is this great temple. It's called one of the wonders of the world. It's the temple to the god Dionysus, the female goddess Aphrodite, and Dionysus is also called Bacchus. Dionysus and Bacchus, listen, are the god of fertility, sex, and booze. Wow, that's a strange god, isn't it? But a popular god. And when you went to this temple to worship, part of the worship was getting drunk and sex. You would not have a hard time getting teenage boys at church, would you? Think about that. I'm not making that up. And so the culture these people were in and the culture these people, some of them were coming out of because he's telling them don't be drunk. They were. Is that they saw that these people went to worship their God and they got drunk and it made them do all kinds of wonderful things and they had all these kind of experiences because when you get drunk, you do things you wouldn't normally do. Dr. Gary Chapman was here five years ago, six years ago. He's the guy that wrote the five love languages. We had a, a great seminar. Were any of y'all at that seminar? That it was a fantastic one. It was really, really good. He shed light on this passage I have never heard. I never thought of. He said, alcohol causes people to do things they normally wouldn't do. Being filled with the Spirit causes people to do things they normally wouldn't do. Let me give you one example of doing things you wouldn't normally do. This was a true headline. A true headline. Pig steals 18 beers from campers, gets drunk, 
and starts a fight with a cow. Is that not great? Now, that's just some redneck giving his pig a beer, which is bad. But these were cans, and the pig literally stole 18 beers, punctured them, drank them, goes crazy, and starts a fight with a cow, and that made a headline. I'm guessing that pig normally would not have done that if he wasn't under the influence of Mr. Weiser. Would you agree? I bet that pig met the, the skillet soon too. I just hope they let it detox a little bit or that bacon was going to fire some people up, wasn't it? And when I, heard, when I heard Gary Chapman say that, it really resonated with me. I've shared this in, in, when I've shared my testimony here years ago. I didn't become a Christian until I was in college and, and I, I, I drank a whole, whole lot. When I was growing up, the legal drinking age in Tennessee was 18. So really by the time you were 14, it was very easy to get beer. And, and we all drank. Everybody drank. Certainly didn't make it right. And you drank to fit in. You drank to be cool. And, and I, liked, I liked how it made me feel. And I realized when Gary Chapman was talking, alcohol made me do a thousand things stupid and dumb. But one thing it did is it helped me be more interactive with people. Before I was a Christian, I, I wasn't going to interact a lot with people I didn't know. But when I'd get drunk, I was like, hey, how you doing? I'd go up and ask an ugly girl to dance or a pretty girl to dance. I would never ask somebody to dance. You can ask my wife. I did not ask her to marry me until I knew she'd say yes. I didn't tell her I loved her until I knew she was going to respond the way I wanted her to. I teased it for a while. You know, if I told you I loved you, would you say you love me? I guess I wasn't filled with the Spirit. I didn't have the courage. But if I was drinking, I would do it. And I would be interactive with people. Then I'd sober up and I went back into my shell. And you know what I found out when I got saved and I got the Holy Spirit? Man, I love being in the middle of people. What energizes me on Sunday besides preaching is going around and hugging you, shaking your hand, and, and loving on you and you loving on me. Being interactive with people. The Holy Spirit, when I'm filled with the Spirit, He enables me to do stuff that I want to do that I won't do on my own natural self. Verse 21, listen to what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word submit is a military term. It means every person, every person in this room, many of you, you are leaders, you're bosses, but you are also under people, whether it's government officials, as long as they stay in line with God. You're, you're under coaches, teachers. You're supposed to be under ministers. You're under your, your people at home, your parents or whatever. And we don't do that very well. And the opposite of being submissive is being haughty and unteachable and unleadable. And that's how so many of us are. And it'd be amazing. We get filled with the Spirit. We'd be nice. We'd be leadable. We'd be teachable. We'd be submissive. Well, I, I, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't like to share my faith. You need to share your faith. God tells you to. And you know what the problem is? It's either bad theology or you don't have the spirits filling you. Write these down in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. In, in verse 8 through 31, or excuse me, 8 through 13. Peter and John had just, through the power of God, healed a crippled man. And they get arrested by the Jewish religious leaders. For, for healing somebody. And so they bring him out and they're threatening him. And Peter says, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm paraphrasing. And it says Peter's filled with the Spirit of God. Hey, 
we're not ashamed at all. We healed this guy by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, Jewish religious leader who crucified Jesus a little while earlier, the only way anybody is ever getting to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ. You think that's unpopular today? Think about it then, 2,000 years ago. And they looked at Peter and John and said, man, these guys have been with Jesus. They didn't know what they were saying, but they, these guys are full of spirit. Man, he gives us courage. He allows us to live out our faith in the way we're supposed to. When you're filled with alcohol, you will do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. And a lot of it's not good. When you're filled with spirit, you will do things that you wouldn't normally do. And it's good. It's good. And lastly, this is how God supernaturally manifests himself through us. I don't know about you. I think I know about a lot of you. Man, I want God to use you and to use me. I want our church to be on fire for Jesus. I would like people to say about First Baptist, I don't want them to say it's so cold down there, you could skate down the aisles that they're so spiritually dead. I want them to say they're a bunch of nuts for Jesus. Wouldn't you like that? And the only way that a church or Christians are going to see the power of God manifest in their lives be filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 verse 31, it's kind of the continuation of the story I just told you. They had been threatened by the Jewish leaders to not go and witness. And they were like, hey man, we're going to love you and all that, but we're following God first. So they go back and they're praising God because they're being persecuted and they pray the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. See, the reason the power of God is not being manifest in many of our lives is because we're not filled with the Spirit of God. The reason so many churches are dead is because they're not filled with the Spirit of God. How is a church filled with the Spirit of God? Well, your ministers have to be, and at least the majority of your people. We got 3,000 members, 3,100 members. Not everybody's going to be filled with the Spirit. But if 2,500 of us are, we're going to overtake the other ones. Amen? And that's how you have a spirit-filled church. Listen, in America, 80 to 90% of the churches are plateaued or declining. They're dying. Thousands of churches baptize zero people a year. Do you know why? It's not of a lack of lost people in America. It's a lack of the filling of the Spirit of God. Man, we want God to do something in our lives, in our churches. We must continually be filled with His Spirit. And it's within our reach. And as a Christian, there's nothing greater or more necessary. This last week, June the 7th, which was Tuesday, it marked the anniversary of what scholars say is the, the holy grail of shipwrecks. On June the 7th, 1508, a few years ago, off the coast of Colombia, the ship, the San Jose, sank. It was going from South America back to Europe. Listen to this. It had over 200 tons of gold and silver and emeralds on it. They rediscovered this or found it again in 2015. They hadn't got it yet. But they estimate that today is going to be worth between 17 and 22 billion dollars. That'd build a new church, wouldn't it? <laughs> Buy you a new car. Now, 
they're trying to get it. It's not diff- easy. It's in deep water. A lot of people trying to get their paws in it. And they say, well, it's going to take $70 million to get that. Let me give you an investment tip. If it costs you $1,000 to get a $1 million, spend $1,000 today. So whatever it costs, it costs him $70 million to get the $22 billion, get the spend it. Wouldn't you like to have discovered that? But I want to tell you something I think honestly, and, and I know this sounds weird to say it's better than 20 billion dollars but if you and I would get a hold of that God the creator lives inside of us that he wants to fill us continually and then we can have the power of God living in us and through us that's the greatest discovery of all so here's what I want to challenge you today if you're not a Christian you need to give your life to Christ it doesn't start until you have Christ in you you're watching at home or you're, you're here. I, in a moment, I will, I will lead you into prayer to give your life to Christ. Or you can come. You can come right now and we'll help you come to Christ. But do that today. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can do that online or after church or you can come right now and join us. And here's what I would tell you is that, man, we want you to, but we want you to be filled with the Spirit of God and we want you to help our church be a Spirit-filled church. You're a Christian. How are you doing on these things? I mean, honestly, how you grade out? Would you say you're, you're filled with the Spirit? Some of you certainly are. Maybe you're not today. Maybe you hadn't been in a long time. And today's the day where you're standing or on your knees at home or, or at the altar to come say, Jesus Christ, fill me. And I want the rest of my life, I want to pray that prayer to you. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Let's stand. And you respond as God leads you now.
would you pray with me? Christian, I, I plead with you today. Let's, let's let God fill us. Let's let God fill our church. Let's be who He's called us to be. Let's see the supernatural done. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure, but you're ready today, you're ready today to cross that line with Jesus, pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. Come to the table, he will say.